0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this wonderful day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel states When Jesus drew near and draw the city, well, when Jesus drew near and saw the city, shouts of Hosanna filled the air on that palm Sunday. The crowds were fired up. They were excited as Jesus was about to enter the city. The air was electric. And of the swollen population of the city that day, the great majority of them were rejoicing. The making of a king, although a few were not so ecstatic, they were angry, indignant, And yet, out of all those people, only one was sorrowful. When Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. The sight of the city drew tears to his eyes. This verse, it also tells us, this is not a soft sobbing, but a great wailing. An eruption of emotion. Why? It was not for his own path he would take. He was not wailing for the passion of which he was about to endure for his people. In particular, Jesus was screamingly saddened at what his people had long forgotten. He says, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. What were these things? What were the things that Jerusalem no longer knew that day? These things are the words of Christ in the Old Testament. The opportunity to hear, to believe, know, and even recognize these things that had been gracefully given unto Jerusalem for centuries. These things are those same words made flesh. The body and blood of Christ that that day, wailed out tearfully, knowing that the end of their time of grace would be soon. For Jerusalem, knowing these things that make for peace, would have prevented the days of destruction to come. Just 40 years later, 40 years later, Jerusalem's enemies set up a barricade around her and surrounded her and hemmed her in on every side and tore her to the ground, her and her children within her, because she did not know the time of her visitation. Jerusalem had not only abandoned her groom, she crucified him. The time of grace for her was going to come to an end. Jesus wailed out weeping because the end of grace for Jerusalem's people was inevitable. In the 40 years after the death and resurrection of our Lord, they still had grace. They had their chance The lesson for Jerusalem and the lesson for us is this. When people persistently close their eyes to the opportunity set before them, they will, one day, look in vain for that same opportunity. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he knew of their coming destruction. Jesus knew and foretold that the people of Jerusalem might have had to hear one day, You had your opportunity. He cries in the sense of, You had your chance, O Jerusalem. You had your chance, O my people, to take hold of these things before you. You had your chance to hear. You had your chance to believe and to know. You had your chance to recognize this visitation. You had your chance to repent. These are not just hard words for the unbelievers in Jerusalem. These are hard words for any unbeliever today even harder to think about when it's a close friend or even an unbelieving family member. We, too, weep. For some of them, one day, they may have to hear something along the lines of, you had your opportunity, you had your chance. Death will happen one day for them, And the future thought of these words ache your heart so much that there's no way you could even bring yourself to utter them at their graveside or even as you are weeping over their casket. You had your chance. This is a precursor to even more terrifying words that shall be spoken to unbelievers by our Lord on the last day. I never knew you for it is written as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Every knee shall bow to God. Now is better than later. Now is the time of grace. Now is better than the last day. Thanks be to God. The time of grace for unbelievers continues at least in this hour. And thanks be to God, the time for grace for believers is also now. How much time is left in this time of grace? 40 years? 40 seconds? It's not for us to know. But I tell you this. If you can hear these urgent words come out of my mouth right now, then you are under the grace of God. Because you know what? You have your opportunity. You have your chance, O oh people of God, to take hold of the things that make for peace. You have your chance to hear so that you may believe and know these things that make for peace. And even if these things have been hidden from your eyes, let me pull off the shroud. The opportunity is set before you today. And no one knows when that opportunity will no longer be there for you. What is this opportunity? Repent, for the kingdom of God is oh so near. Recognize the time of your visitation. Call out to God, for he hears your voice. And repent. Repent for not warning that unbeliever of imminent danger. Repent for not acting urgently in your own life-or-death situation. Repent. Hate your own sin. Mourn it. Despise it. And now, let the peace of God fill you. And believe in this. This is the time of grace. I announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The time of grace for Jerusalem is now over. But the time of grace for you is now. Jesus Christ makes his visitation known to you today. Christ, our Lord, spoke these words just five days before going to the cross to die as the perfect sacrifice for your forgiveness. These things testify to it. His words testify to it. His word has been spoken to you and forgives you. Even his body and his blood that wailed out that day is set before you with the power of his word. And by the grace of God showering upon you right now, God the Holy Spirit is working through your hearts. God the Holy Spirit is working through your minds in ways beyond all understanding. And God fills you with his wonderful gifts on account of what Jesus was going to do for you that week. Jesus Christ, when he entered the temple, he foreshadows what he still does to this very day. Jesus drives out the thieves. Christ evicts the robbers. Christ crucified has defeated the devil and all demons who try to corrupt this house of prayer. Christ, our Lord, crucified and risen, he shall continue to drive them out. How? With these things. His words that make for peace. The power of God's word in Jesus Christ is more than sufficient to drive out every evil. The power of God's word in the Holy Spirit fills you with God's grace and his promise of mercy for you in Jesus Christ our Lord. You have been justified. Now on that Palm Sunday, even when the destruction of Jerusalem was imminent in the year 70 A.D., Jesus continued to teach and preach daily. Even when the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the city were seeking to destroy him. Even so, the powers of evil could do nothing. For all the people were hanging on to these things. His words It was these things that make for peace. His words today are these things that make for peace. And peace, peace is exactly what you need when that friend or loved one doesn't believe these things. Peace is what we need. What do we do? We need practical advice, we need wisdom. Well, when you need words of wisdom, seek not the wisdom of men. Because there is not a carbon copy answer for every situation. So also, you cannot justify anyone. You cannot convert any unbeliever. It's simply not in your power. So let's seek, let us seek the wisdom of God. Let's seek it from our epistle today. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Use what God gave you. How does the Holy Spirit manifest itself in you? That may sound like a difficult question, but it is not. The Holy Spirit has made himself manifest in you by word and sacrament. The question is, what is your best fruit? What is your fruit given unto you by the power of the Holy Spirit? What is the strength? What is your holy gift according to his Spirit? For some, it's the utterance of wisdom. And your utterance of wisdom might help solve a problem for an unwise believer. For others... The holy gift might be the utterance of knowledge. And your utterance of holy knowledge might answer a nagging question for someone not so holy. For another one of you, it is a gift of a strong faith that can help a person who has a hard time believing anything. Maybe your holy gift is an uncanny gift to heal the ability to forgive and to truly let bygones be bygones and it may just truly help that person who cannot forgive anyone whatever your christian gift is that is a strength given unto you by god a talent reflected in god's word given in this time of grace to you now, from the pulpit, I cannot answer what your, each of your strongest fruits are, but there are many. I can help. We've got Holy Scripture to help. What is that uncanny ability? Scripture has lists upon lists of these Use your strengths. Many times, too often, we focus on our weakness. I'm too shy to speak up to help someone. I'm too afraid to lose a friend. Or I am petrified that that family member won't talk to me again. So, remember the wisdom of Scripture especially as St. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, use your spiritual strengths, your gifts, for the Lord's common good in this time of grace. It is meet and right so to do, while we are all under God's grace and have received his mercy through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.